0: Uh, Good morning. Um, If you are visiting for the first time this morning, we are delighted that you've joined us, and uh, we hope you sense a warm welcome from uh, all of us. My name is Tom Louder. I'm a teaching pastor here at Capitol Community. Hope you experience a warm welcome. Uh, I'm told over a 100 of our teens uh, gathered to uh, go to the Great Wall Uh, this morning. Some of them got up about 2 a.m. The energy of youth. (laughs) This has been an unusual week for me. Uh, Friday morning, I called my sister who lives in Texas in the southern U.S. and discovered that my 94-year-old mom is in uh, the hospital with uh, pneumonia and congestive heart failure. Uh, She may or may not make it, but I talked to her, and uh, she still has her great sense of humor, and she would say that at 94, she doesn't plan to invest in a lot of green bananas. (laughs) She's she's been an amazing woman. Uh, Two months ago, uh, my wife Iris and I were in Thailand, and Iris's dad called her with the news that he had just been diagnosed with a very lethal form of lung cancer. Uh, Iris went back to the States for four weeks in February to help him during the first uh, phase of the chemotherapy. But if the statistics hold, uh, he has about 10 months. Last June, we discovered my 41-year-old nephew, who's really more like a little brother to me than a nephew, has an inoperable, uh, fast-growing brain tumor, that uh, probably will mean he has uh, about 24 months of life uh, left. Um, all this has led me, I mean, this is something that's very new in, in our experience and my, my and Iris's experience. And so it's really led me in recent weeks uh, to think much more deeply about my own future. What horizon can I realistically expect out there? So I get on the net and I start looking at the statistics of people like, you know, American, Caucasian males. And if the statistics hold in my case, I've got about 23 years. Let's you go. Now, if you were out to dinner with friends last night, I doubt seriously that the discussion turned to death or dying. Um, I uh, can't remember ever having breakfast with a buddy and asking him, uh, so, hey, Harry, uh, when are you going to die? Um, We normally aren't comfortable talking about dying. Uh, We rarely think very much about it. And this is despite the fact that everyone, every one of us has an absolutely unavoidable appointment uh, with death. And uh, every person seems to die successfully. Um, I'd like to direct our attention this morning, uh, this Easter Sunday morning uh, to a passage in the gospel of John that has the potential to profoundly uh, transform our thinking about our future, our destiny in this respect, Uh, the passage can change our perspective from avoiding even the thought of it, uh, trying to just push it completely out of our awareness at all times, to seeing it as potentially a portal through which we can travel into a life that is beyond our wildest imaginings in which the Scripture promises. Now, the fourth book of the New Testament, the Gospel of John, is probably the most profound of the four short accounts of Jesus' life that are contained in the New Testament. It's evident in the book uh, that before he wrote, the apostle John Planned very carefully exactly what he wanted to say about this person that he had encountered some 50 years before and that had dramatically changed his destiny. And so John described seven specific miracles in his account that he had seen Jesus perform and seven dramatic statements. Uh, that Jesus had made about himself, uh, sometimes particularly in reference to those uh, miracles. Uh, John's goal in this pattern is to lead you and me and all the readers over the centuries into a recognition of the utterly unique identity of Jesus of Nazareth. In John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44 contains one of the most remarkable of these uh, patterns, and we're only going to focus on a few of these verses for time considerations this morning. But John chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, begins with these words Lazarus from the village of Bethany, the brother of Mary and Martha, was very sick. His two sisters sent a message to the Lord. Lord, the one that you love is very sick. Now, this passage introduces us to this man, this individual named Lazarus and his two sisters. Now, elsewhere in Scripture, we get some brief glimpses of the two uh, sisters. Uh, more than once, Jesus had a dinner in their home. Uh, which was in this village, which is not far from the city of Jerusalem. Now, Martha, apparently the older of the two, by temperament, was uh, very committed to acts of service. She apparently was one of the folks who, let's get it done, uh, kind of a a person. But Mary, on the other hand, was more contemplative uh, type of a person. She was really keen to listen carefully to the teaching of Jesus when she had the chance, and she was willing to push aside other priorities to do that. Now, on one occasion, uh, Mary dramatically displayed the depth of her humility and her love for Jesus when she broke a bottle of very expensive perfume and poured it over his feet probably massaged his feet somewhat, and then kneeling before him, she wiped it off with her hair. Now, Mary and Martha had seen Jesus perform uh, some miracles of healing people, so they knew he had the ability to help their brother. And so verse 4 continues, although Jesus loved uh, Martha, Mary and Lazarus. He stayed where he was for the next two days and didn't go to them. He said, this is for the glory of God, for a greater display of the reality and the greatness, the grandeur of God. Now, the Bible describes Jesus' uncanny awareness of the events uh, of other events outside his immediate uh, surroundings, so we can be confident that he was well aware of the consequence of delaying, of not going immediately to this family that had uh, sent him the news, and yet he deliberately chose to stay. He loved these three people, but he had a bigger, broader purpose in mind than simply immediately fixing their situation or providing immediate relief to the challenge that they were facing. We read on later in verse 17 of this chapter, it says, when Jesus finally arrived at Bethany, he was told Lazarus had been dead four days. So it took some time for the news to get to him. He delayed two days. He then traveled to Bethany. Lazarus had been gone for these four days. said many had come to pay their respects and console the sisters on their loss. And when Mary received word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. And then she said to him, Lord, if you... Had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. So she expresses faith in Jesus' ability, but also her frustration that he hadn't come. Now, a guy named Philip Keller is, uh, has been one of the most popular uh, Christian writers in the last uh, 20 years. And one of his bestsellers is a book called Disappointment with God. And in the book, he describes uh, how genuine, sincere Christians, believers, Christ followers can reach times in their lives when God appears to have failed them. They had hopes, they had dreams perhaps about their lives their career their health their family and then those hopes were not realized time passes and so it can be very very difficult to be in a situation particularly in the loss of a family member like Mary and Martha experienced but even less even if the if it's not such a dramatic hope and dream in our hearts. If God does not show up sometimes in the way that we passionately desire for him to and that we expect him to do, then it can be a very, very difficult test of our faith. So Martha uh, clearly believed in some way that Jesus had failed them. His uh, deliberate choice... To not show up, that is Jesus' choice to not show up in her timing, though, was ultimately intended to mature her and her sister and greatly deepen their understanding of the truth, greatly expand and enhance their understanding of the identity of this amazing person who had come among them. And then uh, went, in his own good timing, Jesus revealed his identity to her in, an, in a completely new and a greater way when he made this remarkable statement. He says, I am the resurrection and the life He who believes in me shall live, even if he dies. And everyone who believes and lives in me shall never die. Now, Martha was well acquainted with Jesus. Uh, She understood, in fact, stated flatly that she believed that Jesus was Israel's promised Messiah, the only begotten Son of God, and yet there were aspects of His authority, of His power that she had not yet begun to understand. And so in this encounter, in these dramatic circumstances, in the pain and the grief and the struggle and the confusion of this moment, Jesus is saying to her that He has authority Even over death, and that those who believe in him will live eternally. Now, uh, one of the pivotal moments in my life uh, was in my third year of college. Uh, I was a non Christian young man, but I had just to be, try to be intellectually honest and well-read, I'd begun reading the New Testament. I'd been reading some of these words in the Gospel of John because one of my mother's friends, who was a Christian woman, had suggested when I asked her, you know, what should I, if I was going to try to read the Bible, where should I read? She said, well, you know, read the Gospels, but I would suggest reading in the Gospel of John. So I'd begun reading in that book, and uh, I then discovered the great C.S. Lewis, the Oxford-Cambridge A scholar, a great Christian uh, author and man uh, of previous decades of the 20th century, I discovered him in a completely secular bookstore across the street from campus. Bought a couple of his books, and one morning in the undergraduate library, as I was reading his book *Mere Christianity* for the first time, I read these words. And many of you, I know, have heard them, but it's worth repeating. Lewis says in the book, I'd like to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I accept him as a great moral teacher, but I cannot accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we cannot say. A mere man who said what Jesus said about himself could not be simply a great moral teacher and Lewis states it very clearly he says he would be a lunatic or a great deceiver you must make your choice this man was and is the son of god or else a madman or something worse you can call him a fool you can call or you can call him lord and god But let's not come up with any uh, nonsense about him being simply a great human teacher. He has not left that option open to us. He didn't intend to. Lewis was a man who grappled deeply with the teaching of, of the New Testament, and even particularly in these seven statements that Jesus makes in this book about his identity, and given his logic, the force of his logic, he knew that assuming the New Testament Manuscripts are reliable, and there's certainly a great deal of evidence that there are. Jesus doesn't offer us too many options. Uh, No one who made these kinds of statements about himself, unless they were true, could be an honest and good moral teacher. So, after telling Martha that he has authority over even death, he describes uh, a condition and a gift for experiencing eternal life. The condition is believing. John uses the word believe 98 times in his 21 chapters. It's one of the key words in this book. It means to put confidence in, to believe, uh, to be true. And Jesus had previously described the results of believing in John Uh, Chapter 6 and verse 47, he says, I truly say to you, the one who believes has eternal life. And this Greek word zoe, life, uh, as we discussed a few weeks ago, is very different than the common life that we share with the animals and all people that we're breathing, we're living and animate. This is what Jesus is describing here is a type of life that originates in God alone. It is an alien type of life that is imparted to all people who recognize Christ's identity and believe in him. It links them to him eternally so that even though they will die in this life, they will live eternally in ways that the scripture only begins to describe. And uh, I... uh, I know my mom, um, she, I I visited, she has some glimpse of this. Uh, She's not long for this world, Um, went back this summer um, and uh, spent a little time with her, and I noticed that uh, when we were in meals, uh, the family was all together, that uh, in the past that, you know, she engaged in the conversation, she was interested in sharing and communicating, but she's really quiet, wasn't saying much. But um, I uh, then took her to lunch one afternoon and uh, said, Mom, you, you're, not, you don't, you're not talking much like you used to. I mean, um, you used to engage when we were all in the conversation? I said, what's going on? She said, well, I just don't have much to say. And I said, well, yeah, I know you have some time alone. She lives with my sister, but she does have you know plenty of downtime since she's not exactly working 10 hours a day. And I said, what do you think about uh, when you are alone sometimes. And she just quoted a verse of Scripture. She says, she quoted this verse in Paul that says, to depart from this body is to be present uh, with the Lord. And, and I said, So you think about that a lot? She says, all the time. So she has glimpsed something of her future. And as a result, it has become a, a type of hopeful expectation for her. She has no fear of death or she doesn't want to suffer, uh, but she is a person that has come to grips uh, with this impending appointment that she has. And she is at, at rest and at peace with it and even has retained her sense of humor. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. This is precisely... What Jesus is talking about in this passage, but back to our story and to conclude, uh, Jesus was finally taken to Lazarus's tomb, uh, and when he arrived uh, there, uh, john tells us john thirty five that Jesus wept he uh, never, he was doing exactly what God the Father wanted him to be doing in this moment, and yet he still was suffering emotionally. He was witnessing the grief and these, the pain and the struggling of these people, that these two sisters with whom he had this very close and deep uh, relationship. And when he saw that, it touched him so deeply emotionally that he wept. And the point for us is that even if and when we are fulfilling uh, God's will this doesn't uh, shield us uh, from struggling deeply and suffering at times emotionally and then finally in verse 39 Jesus then said roll the stone aside Lazarus had been placed in this stone tomb and at the time uh, for those who could afford it they would have these big stones they would roll over the tomb as some of you know Jesus says, roll the stone aside, Uh, haven't I said to you that if you believe, you will see uh, the glory of God. And they removed the stone and Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come here. And the one who had died came out one of the two most dramatic miracles in the life of Jesus that astonished and electrified all the people that had witnessed it and that did witness it. They believed in him, and they, along with his disciples, then became the core of a group that would follow him and then ultimately spread this news, this amazing news about this person uh, around the world at the time. Uh, This uh, morning is Easter Sunday. Millions of Christ followers around the world are, of course, commemorating the resurrection of Jesus. And as believers, we believe that uh, in his return to life from death, we see the final proof the irrefutable proof of his divine identity and the reliability uh, of his teaching. Now, you may be in a great place uh, this morning uh, in your life. Uh, You may feel full of life. You may feel like you're on top of your game, uh, that your uh, relationships and job and future may appear to be bright, and if that's the case, that's wonderful. On the other hand, uh, some of you may feel like that at this point your hopes are dying or have died. You may feel like your marriage, uh, your career, uh, some of your friendships have died. You may be in great pain or confusion. uh, not understanding remotely what God may be doing in your life. But as a, as a Christ follower, the message of this story, among one of the lessons of this story is, as a believer, be hopeful. Jesus knows what he's doing. And he knows precisely when to show up and to act in your life in circumstances, not only to mature and develop you personally, but to expand your understanding of the beauty and the glory and the greatness of himself in a way that is life-changing. Let's close in prayer this morning. Lord, thank you for coming among us. Um, As my brother Rick Lehman said to me yesterday, you you cast yourself into hell. You, in a sense, threw yourself under the bus uh, that we might be forgiven. And that is an astonishing display of your commitment to us, of your love for us, of your grace towards us. And we thank you that you are the authority over death, that you prove that by returning to life from death, that you live eternally, and that you grant us eternal life. I pray that that life would be real in each of us this morning. I pray particularly for those of us who may be struggling or in pain. I pray in your timing, you would bring the resources and the encouragement and the hope and the counsel that you know that they need. And we pray in Christ's name.